Well, good morning. If we haven't met, I'm Pastor Tony, and, and it's a privilege to be able to bring to you again a message from the book of Philippians, from the midst of the study, and we're in Philippians 3 today, and we'll go to the scriptures in a minute, but I've got a question for you. Are you a list person? Are you a list person? Uh, I notice uh, some of you nodded because you're a list person. And some of you sort of grinned and looked at the list person next to you, <clears throat> right? Um, I know how that can be, okay? So some of you are list people because you love crossing things off your list, right? Right, in fact, some of you will create lists just so you can cross things off of them. Some days you make to-do lists, but some days you haven't made your list yet, but you already have things done. So you create a to-done list so that you can write it down and cross it off, right? And some of you, you love the list because the list shapes your day. You don't have to go at every turn, oh man, what do I do next? Your list helps you with that. And, 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 and frankly, it just makes sense to you to live life with a list close by. Some of you are not list people. Some of you um, don't necessarily take so much pleasure in checking things off or crossing things off your list. In fact, some of you kind of feel like, uh, maybe to be honest, I should say some of us feel like that the list sort of confines me. What if things come up that would be great to do that aren't on the list, right? Then what do I do, right? And, and sometimes you have a list and your list really feels like it's not telling me what to do next, it's just telling me what I haven't yet got accomplished. Like on the list it tells me I should do the dishes, which really is just another way to say I should have done the dishes a long time ago, right? Some of you don't like lists for all of those reasons and all of those things and it feels like lists point out your deficits more than your accomplishments. Well, wherever you land on the list spectrum, whether you're a list person or not a list person, I do think that our text this morning from Philippians chapter three relates we're going to see a connection. We're going to read the whole chapter. This is the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for 
It is we who are the circumcision. It's we who serve God by his spirit and who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they've got reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want you to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before now and tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies, so they will be like his glorious body. Heavenly Father, this is your word, and we're grateful for it, and we ask, would you shape us by it? Through the work of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul begins this chapter with a warning. A warning about dogs. Dogs and evildoers. Hmm. Who are they? Well, it's actually, the Philippians isn't the only church that Paul warns about such people. In other places and in other letters, he adds similar warnings. And those people are called Judaizers. They're, they're people who approached 
this idea that to be a good Christian, you first have to be a good Jew. There, there are people with a list. It's a fairly long list, actually, and they applied this list not only to themselves, but they applied it to others as well. It's lists about what you could eat and drink and what you couldn't eat and drink. It's a list that included uh, what do you wear and what do you not wear. A list about what are acceptable jobs or unacceptable jobs. Lists about hair and about jewelry and about all kinds of things. More things than we could even mention this morning. It's a long, long list. And these lists were put forth by these Judaizers as rules for being good citizens, good Christians. In essence, their message was, if you do these things, God will be pleased with you. This list is a way to earn God's favor. A way to earn his love, a way to prove that you're worthy or maybe even to prove that you're forgivable. Do you have such a list? Do you have a list like that? A list that in the back of your mind, in your quieter moments, in the back of your head tells you, you got to do this right or it'll never work. Maybe yours is a list about what you can and can't eat and drink or what you can and cannot wear or should or shouldn't wear or, or, or how you do this or how you do that. And that somehow you have this sense, even though you might not say it, you've got this sense that that's the way God will be happy with me. I have to confess to you, I have, I have that list. It's there in the hard drive of my brain. Paul warns us, tells us to beware of people with lists. Why does he do that? Well, among other reasons, he does that because we really stink at keeping lists. I mean, even those of us who really love lists have lists that we don't keep very well. These people, these Judaizers, they had, they had long to-do lists. Even, even more than that, they had a set of to-be lists. Right? It's not just, it's not just what you do, but it's, it's, it's who you are. You have to be the right person. And And as marginal as we are at keeping our to-do lists, we're even worse at keeping our to-be lists. Sometimes those are even more powerful. The bottom line is that you and I are terrible 
at keeping our lists perfectly. And in case you think I'm too harsh, in case you think I'm too harsh, let me ask, how are you at keeping your list? I'll tell you how you are. You fail. And I know that's, I know that's harsh, but, but have you ever said to yourself, oh, I know better than that? That's evidence. That you fail at keeping your list. Not just God's list, but even your own list. We fail. I fail at keeping my own list. Every time I say, I shouldn't have done that. It's evidence that I fail at keeping my own list. Every time I have to say, I'm sorry. It's because I know I should have done something that I didn't do or I did something I shouldn't have done. It was on my list. I violated my own list even when I want to. I can't. I don't. I won't. So Paul is right to warn us of people with lists because we don't keep them. And here's the real hard part. If my lists are the things I have to do so that God will love me, so that God will accept me, and so that God will forgive me, if that's what my list is and I can't keep my list, I'm in trouble. I am in big, big, Trouble. You see, for those of you that are non-list people, one of your concerns is right. Our to-do list binds us to what we do. It ties us to what we do. And, and as much as I'd like to say I'm not a list person, I sat this morning with this message and I started to think about, have I done everything right? And I started in my mind to check things off this silly mental list that I make for myself. Paul in this passage First of all, Paul was a great list keeper. He really was. And in this passage, he, he points out, uh, he, he not only had everything on the list, but he kept it pretty well. He was of the right heritage, of the right family. It, he, was, he was observing the, the right laws. He had, the, he had enough zeal. He was... He was excited about who God was. Paul says, if anybody had the right list, I had the right list. And if anybody could follow the list, I followed the list. And then he realized that in the end, that was all garbage. So listen to what he says again. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I've lost all things and consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul realized he had to set his list aside. He is he realized I am free of my list. You see the reality is and what Paul knows is that following the list doesn't make God love me more. It doesn't. It can't. Do you know why? Because he also loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And in the book of Romans, Paul reminds the church that he died for us while we were still sinners. Not when we were following the list. It doesn't say God loved us so much that as long as we followed the list, he dies for us. But he waited until we were good and forgivable. No, still sinners. He died for us anyway. The list can't possibly make us love God more than he already does. So Paul sets the list aside. So so how do we live in a world where we're free of our lists? You know, whatever those lists included. The ones I asked you about earlier, whatever those things were. How do we live a life without lists? Well, can I tell you what I wanted to do? In preparing this sermon, what I wanted to do is come up with a list of ways that you can live life without your lists. It's how crazy this seems. It's how we're wired. And then, and then look at what Paul says next in verses 10 through 14. Listen to it. I'm going to read it. Listen to what he says. I want to know Christ. I'm going to skip through this. I want to know his resurrection. I want to participate in his suffering. I want to become like him. I press on. I take hold. I forget what lies behind. I strain forward. I press on. Paul gives us a list. What? He's just told us that the list can never save, can never make God happy with us. And then he goes on to give us a whole list. I'm going to be honest with you. This is hard because in, in, in all of Scripture, I see lots and lots of lists. The prophet Micah, 
Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And that sounds to me like a list. We're told in Scripture to care for the widow and the orphan and the outcast or the foreigner. And it looks like a list. What do we do with those lists in a world where we're free from lists? Had a conversation with a mentor of mine a month ago or so. <laughs> we were in conversation with a bunch of people and somebody asked him, what's God teaching you? And he talked about, he used this example, he talked about how he's been trying to apply this idea of where's the perfect spot to be and he's trying to apply it to everybody else that they should be right wherever he thinks the perfect spot is. He said, I'm learning that when I apply this to other people, I have to define what the ditches are. In other words, where are the real dangerous spots that we need to stay out of? And there's two ditches that are here in this passage. The first ditch is that we will become like dogs, like Judaizers, with our list firmly placed in front of us and a quick eye to apply that list to everybody else. The other danger, on the other side, the other ditch is that we would become listless that we would become lazy, that we would become, that, that we would take on this idea that, oh, Jesus has freed me from the list. It really doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. I can live how I want. It'll be fine. Doesn't matter. Paul says, press on. Grab a hold. Live up to what God is calling you to do. So, on the one hand, if I think being this good citizen means following my list, and on the other hand, I think being a good citizen is not having any lists, how do I do this? Do you ever feel that tension? Do you feel that pressure? Did you know Jesus was asked about lists? One of the places it's recorded is in Matthew chapter 22. The Pharisees are trying to, they're, they're trying to trap Jesus. And they come to him and they say, Jesus, what's the most important law? They're asking about the list. What's the right list to have? Jesus, tell me what's supposed to be top on my list. And maybe they're hoping, tell us what's on the top of your list so they can critique his list and find all kinds of fault with him. And Jesus simply says, Matthew 22, verses 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do you hear that last verse? Verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. All of the lists are summed up there. So, so here's the reality. We can't keep our lists. That's, that's why Christ died. Christ didn't die for us because we keep our lists. Christ died for us because we can't keep our lists. He did that because he loved us while we were still sinners. He loves us while we are yet sinners. And then Jesus goes on to say, John 14 says, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I, I don't keep any list to earn God's love. But I listen to what he says and I try to keep his list because I love him. When I was a little kid, I did what my parents told me to do because I knew if I didn't, I'd get a spanking. And when I got older, I realized that almost everything my parents asked me to do came out of their deep love for me. And as I got older, I often listened to my parents' advice and I did what they laid out for me to do because I loved them and I knew how much they loved me. I don't keep a list to make God love me. I keep a list, I keep the list as best I can when I can because I love him. And because I love those for whom he died. I love others. And I'd encourage you to not try and, and, and make sure that you have the right list. But I'd also encourage you not to ignore what Scripture asks you and calls you to do. Because to be one is to be bound to only those things you can do and to be the other leaves you listless. But to hear what God asks of you and to respond out of his, out of a recognition of how much he loves him. I keep as best I can the law because I love him. He frees me from the list because he loves me. Let's pray.